Episode 232, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 5, Episode 4, A Life Earned. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. This is an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. And I say that now because, uh, actually I don't need to say that because the credits are always different for each different show. But I'm going to go ahead and say that anyway because we want to make sure you know what you're getting. Uh, Boy, oh boy, there is a lot going on here. A lot of action going on here. And so... We are here with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And when I say we, I mean me, Ben, uh, Ben Avery, and I've been Agent, joined by... Agent Samantha. Hi, Samantha. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Hey, how, how's how's Runaways going for you? Have you been watching it? Oh, yes. Okay. All right. So you've been keeping up. And we aren't going to talk about any spoilers from Runaways, but are you still enjoying it? I just want to check in. If... You can't make it or Evan can't make it to recording for Runaways. I am totally there. Okay. All right. I'm yeah, it's 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 if you don't have Hulu, it's the show that you are missing on and parts of it may, kind of remind me of all the teen dramas or one of the teen dramas I used to be involved with back in my film career. Um but and but it's still mixed in with this really great regular drama or or comic book drama and it's all three it's all three yeah teen drama regular drama comic book drama it's all there yeah it's it's really well blended and it could definitely stand on its own as a series yes and it is standing on its own as a series as of right now so um yeah okay i just wanted to check in with you on that and and i just want to again throw it out to people right now uh, there's only four more episodes left. And so if you, uh, are so inclined, you know, wait a week and then sign up for, I think it's a free month that you get, uh, it may not be a month it maybe two weeks. So, you know, maybe time it a little bit differently, but, uh, definitely sign up for the free month and, and binge the 10 episodes during your free time with it. And I say this without giving you an affiliate link. We are not getting paid to say this. We just enjoy it and think you will too. So, yeah. So that said, we want to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this episode, but we have some news we need to talk about. There's some big news that we're going to talk about in a very little way. <laughs> so are you ready for you ready for the newsreel? Oh, is it the big news about us or is it the big news about Marvel? Well, it's the big news about Marvel. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The big news about us, I don't think we're ready to quite come out with it as, as yet. news yet. Okay. Um, I mean, it's out there, and actually someone has already um, become a patron for us. But uh, we, we, we do have a Patreon thing that we're going to be rolling out. We're not going to talk about it all the time. We're not going to talk about it too much, but it is out there. And we did an article that goes along with the big news item about, well, about Disney. So let's okay. do it. Let's go. Shield intelligence report. Okay. 
So the big, big news is that basically Disney and 20th Century Fox have they, they've come up with terms of a deal. And and so it is looking like they will be uh, Disney will be purchasing a ton of 20th Century Fox, leaving behind little bits of 20th Century Fox that they're going to turn around and they, they can't buy because of um, monopoly regulations and stuff like that. But yeah, so uh, that's that's the that's the big news. And then the subtitled headlines here are um, that means X-Men possibly means Fantastic Four are going to be part of that deal. And I don't know. Oh. I, yeah, I mean, this is this is a big deal. And a lot of people are talking about how well, finally X-Men and and Fantastic Four can come home, you know, because 20th Century Fox Fox was doing the production on those movies. And now it's time for them to come home to Disney. Um, and and uh, honestly, <laughs> I I'm Eeyore about it and I'm not going to I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to try and hide it. I'm Eeyore uh, because this just means one studio has all these things. And what are they going to do with them? You know, does that mean Disney is going to be putting out eight superhero movies a year? And yeah, but on the other hand, the idea of Fantastic Four joining up with the Avengers kind of excites me. Well, um, I love X-Men as they the previous X-Men movies as as they have standed. Um, Fantastic Four, I've only seen the first one that they did with. um, Oh, he now plays Captain America now. Chris Evans. Yeah. Yes. Chris Evans. Um, And it was kind of to me. (laughs) Um, But now it's come home is the point. Yeah. Now it's come. (laughs) So now it will be more than eh. That's what everyone's saying. The renewed, ca- the one with the renewed, renewed cast. I have not seen that, um, though. I have heard that the cast from that movie are still very, very tight, and they they're like in a group text thing that they and they text each other still all the time, which I thought was pretty cool. So, I mean, I it, it's it's always really great when a cast has excellent chemistry. Yeah, but uh, you know. <laughs> What I'm kind of picturing is actually like the uh, the support group in Jessica Jones, you know, mm-hmm. that, that gets together in that <laughs> diner and they're just all like talking about, oh, this is what Purple Man did to me. This is what he did to me. And well, not Purple Man, but uh, Kilgrave. And that's what they're doing. Oh, that movie. <laughs> this is what it did to me. I, I still see cameras in my sleep. <laughs> well, so. They're all working actors. I mean, I'm sure that they're. Dreaming about cameras in a different capacity. Maybe, but I'm I'm telling you right now, Samantha, don't run out to watch the movie. You know, if it comes your way, go ahead. I mean, I'm not going to tell you not to watch it. I'm just going to say, don't run out to watch it. I'm as eager to watch it as Transformers 5. And you know how I feel about the Transformers Mm, series. I really don't know which one. You don't remember? I sent you I an evident a message. Oh no, no, I I know. I I'm saying yeah. I don't know which one I would. I don't know which one's worse. It's mm. it's it's a difficult choice that would be made. Yeah. Uh, well, for those who don't know, um, so uh, Ben and Evan reviewed um, uh, Transformers Five. Yes. We and did. if you we listen did, to we it, did, we did. 
and their reactions, they are so hyped up to see it. And then their immediate reactions are so disappointed. And it was hilarious. I People say LOL. I was laughing so hard I couldn't breathe. It was hilarious, their reactions. And my response to them was, guys, I knew Transformer <sighs> 5 was going to be that bad from the trailer from the first Transformers movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, to, to be fair, we weren't super hyped up. We were just – the ideas in the trailer looked like they could have had actually a decent uh, – we, we – <laughs> Okay, we're not here to talk about that. I know, but it was just, it was a really fantastic moment for for the Welcome to Level C. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was over on Strangers and Aliens. You can go to strangersandaliens.com. You can search for for Transformers. And actually, we've done a couple reviews of Transformer movies. And yeah, so beyond that, though, uh, the one thing that, that is still up in the air is if the regulatory committees, are going to even allow this purchase to happen. And so I think we're still looking at uh, nine to 18 months before things officially fall in line for this to happen. But the biggest hurdles, which is the two companies coming to terms that has been passed and they have come to terms and it is, it's looking very positive. And so we will see, we will see uh, if you go to uh, patreoncom slash welcome to level seven, uh, I wrote an article there and there, the articles that we put up there are going to all be for free always all the time. So it's not like you have to be a, one of our patrons in order to read this article, but it basically goes through which Winnie the Pooh character are you uh, based on how you're responding to uh, this, this news. And, and I'm clearly, I'm the Eeyore because I'm like, Oh, won't get to see as many movies. Uh, but there's also the Tiggers like Evan, who's like, I can't wait. I love this so much. And <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, it, people responding in different ways and ultimately what it comes down to is it, movies are going to get made regardless. We're going to watch the movies and we're going to talk about the movies and we're going to enjoy them or not enjoy them because that's what's, that's the way it works. I'm cautiously optimistic about this. Um, but one big your moment I have is Disney's going to own a lot of the sci-fi mm-hmm. fantasy market which means that they're going to own a lot of the income for films. And I'm wondering, are they going to get too big, so big that they're going to buckle under their own weight? That's my only concern. Yeah. Well, I mean, the franchises they now own, Predator. They're huge. Predator, Alien, Firefly. They own Firefly now? I missed that. That's Fox, isn't it? (gasps) 20th Century Fox, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, there's... Now, I don't think that they could pick up where they left off at the Firefly series, but that could be interesting. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've seen what happened. They bought Star Wars and John Carter was just kind of a rearview of mere memory for them. But mm-hmm. at, at the same time, you know, if they can make money with it, they're going to do what they have to do to make money with it. So, um, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> By the way, 2020, October 16th, my birthday, uh, I will be, I don't know how old I'll be, 46. Micronauts, the movie, will be hitting the screens. So that's just a bonus little news item for you. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, yeah, so that's that's the news. And you know what? Honestly, um, 
there's going to be good stuff that's going to come out of this and there's going to be bad stuff that comes out of this because studios are making good movies and bad movies. And I don't know who from Winnie the Pooh would say what I just said. There's got to be someone who's just middle of the road, wishy-washy. Is that Piglet? I can't remember. And I wrote the article. but I think Piglet's pretty close. Yeah. Piglet is waiting to see what everyone else's reactions are before he reacts. But he is also somewhat anxious. You know what I'm waiting to see? I'm waiting to see what your reaction is to this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and if that's not a good segue, I don't know what is. But even if it's not a good segue, we're doing it because we have an episode to talk about. And there's some really interesting thing go- going on. And I am really curious what you think about this. So let's switch gears a little bit and start talking about Colson and company. Awesome. Mission report. So let's talk about a life earned. Okay. Uh, to quote Daniel, who he was a, a an original founder of the podcast. Uh, he's, he's taken a background seat. Um, but to quote him, I was tense. <laughs> I was tense while watching this episode. And as it went on, I became more tense. There, this is interesting because they're having to do not just, let's create a new normal by shifting characters around. There's world building going on giant, big world building or world destroying, I guess, depending on <laughs> your perspective here, but they are, they've created this science fiction world with its own rules and not just its own sci-fi rules, but its own societal rules. This is, this is a whole society that they've created with its own history. And it's, <laughs> that was Siri <laughs> because I said history. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, so I'm, I'm liking what they're doing here though. And I feel like they've created a, an interesting alternative alternate future. Um, yeah. I, let, let's just jump in because uh, there's, there's kind of two things going on here. We've got Daisy and Simmons going on and they're with the Cree. And then you have Coulson and the team uh, trying to push forward a plan to figure out what's going on and get to the surface of the planet, of the destroyed planet Earth. So let's start with Gemma and, and Daisy. I think that's the shorter of, of the two plot lines. Um, and that's where we start the, the episode, our cold open. Cassius has a head-to-head with Daisy as they are taking her blood and uh, he's trying to figure out Daisy, Gemma, you guys go together and he is planning to sell her to get money, to get off the planet, to get off this backwater rock. And she's going to go around along with it because if she doesn't, then he's going to harm, harm Gemma. And so Daisy's brought into the tiny arena and there's this guy who's a great fighter in there. He's a mind reader who can anticipate people's moves. And he, he's another one of the inhumans. We also learned that Cassius and his people can turn off people's powers. And Cassius and Lady Bartha, I think her name is, or Batha, Bartha? Uh, um, Basha. 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 Uh, they are there, and Basha is really impressed with Daisy, but he's he makes it pretty clear he's not going to sell Daisy to her. She wants to make a preemptive bid, and he's, nope, nope. You snubbed me with dinner, and I'm going to snub you now. 
Uh, meanwhile, Deke gets a nice payout in exchange for Daisy. And as Deke is getting paid by Cassius, Cassius brings up the prophecy that more people from the past will come. And Cassius says he'll be grateful and generous if more are found. So the demonstration of Daisy's skills. <laughs> she is told to give a demonstration. They bring in some people, big tough guys. And she does her demonstration on the dude who is like explaining to her the rules of what's going on there. Nice little turn. She's a stinker. I just picture her being like Bugs Bunny. Ain't I a stinker? <laughs> um, but again, this is kind of this world building here where there's this whole auction situation going on. I'm trying to figure out the where the buyers are from. Are they from other fragments of the earth? I or... think they're from other fragments of the galaxy. And cause, cause auctioning off people like this, especially in humans with special powers, that's totally a, a Thor universe and huh. a guardians of the galaxy universe thing. That's directly from those movies. Well, they definitely have these kind of people with collector mentalities. Uh, kind of like the Jeff Goldblum guy, you know, who yeah. he's collecting all these uh, uh, gladiator talent. Um, and But the way Cassius is doing this, he does this with, with Daisy. If you don't go along with this, I'm going to harm people you love, Gemma. And so when Daisy has a conversation with the telepath, he, the telepath is like, we do this because we, we demonstrate our powers Go with whoever the highest bidder is because our families get compensated. And if we don't do this, our family pays the price. And then telepath guy totally just lays it on the line. He's, if, if they pit us against each other, you better fight because I'm going to. Okay. Oh, by the way, uh, telepath guy, his name's Ben. What? How did I miss that? I don't know. Are you serious? Oh. <laughs> oh, good grief this phone i i never use siri and now do you want me to help you turn it off <laughs> no i'm okay <laughs> anyway um i never i never use that okay so anyway um i don't i can't believe i missed that that is name Okay. His name's Ben. I don't think they actually say his name because I went back and watched this his scenes a couple of times and no one ever says his name. Okay. All right. Well, then so, I feel yeah. better then if, if that's the case. Um, yeah, because right now I'm going ahead and, and I'm looking uh, to see the, the cast here. But um, he clearly sets himself up as, a, as an antagonist, though. And yeah. Well, he has to in this environment. Hey, he has a very, very important uh, reason. I mean, it's his family. He wants yeah. to take care of his family. And he he tells her, you know, if we're going to fight, then you better fight because I'm going to fight too. What's cool is he still has a secret though. And that's where – okay, so Gemma – they they bring in Daisy, they bring in Gemma, and I 
I almost picture Cassius being, I want the truth, you know, and you can't handle the truth, but he wants the truth. And so he wants the truth about if they have been, if there are other people with them and Daisy says, it's just me and Simmons. And, you know, this is the whole thing where he can turn off Simmons hearing and he actually stands between Daisy and Simmons. So he gets the, the story from Daisy. Tell us the story. Spare us no detail. And she talks about losing Jeffrey Mace. She talks about Fitz. She talks about um, the two of them go to the diner and strange men take them. And then he wants Simmons to do the same thing. Well, the telepath is there and he's looking to the telepath to find out if they're telling the truth. And so is Daisy telling the truth? And then Simmons tells the same story. And then they turn to the telepath. They're both telling the truth. Well, that's because the telepath is totally not giving them the whole story about his own power. He can not only read people's minds, he can let people read his mind. And this is where he gets a little bit nervous because he's never been this close to Cassius with his powers on. And he read Cassius's mind when he was doing the whole gambit there and helping Simmons to tell the story that Daisy told, but he also read Cassius's mind and he's, he read shame in Cassius's mind. Cassius hates where he is and he doesn't just want to leave this place. He wants to erase the place and that means destroy everything. And so now I believe our team now has a powerful new ally in the telepath in Ben, I guess his name is. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about this whole back and forth here? Is that, was that part of what was making you tense with the whole storytelling? And yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting is that, um, Kat Cassius puts himself in between, uh, Gemma and Daisy mm-hmm. in a way that Gemma could not read Daisy's, Daisy's lips. And that, was that clued me in that at some point in the past with his slaves, I'm going to just going to put it out there. They're slaves. These slaves, um, have tried to overcome this disability that they've been forced to become partially deaf Mm -hmm. for a great deal of the time by learning to read lips. And so he's preventing Gemma from reading, possibly reading Daisy's lips. Yeah, yeah. Gemma may not have had the time to learn that skill, but clearly Cassius has thought this through. I mean, he knows that what he has done is absolutely something that's very powerful for him to be able to do. But at the same time, he knows that these people are – how can they not? You know, that would be the first thing I would try and do. I wouldn't do it very well. Uh, at all but if that was my my situation i'd want to try and read lips because i want to know what's going on but he's yeah this is a great power of his i mean i don't know i'm not saying it's a power like he has a superpower but by using this power over his slaves he has it's a great way to keep them in the dark to keep them confused and to keep them from uh really from working together against him so this is where we get into some – there's some pretty interesting, almost interesting theme stuff going on with Cassius, and that is his fear of prophecy. 
he doesn't understand the prophecy. He doesn't know what the prophecy means. He has gotten rid of all the people who are were, were carriers of the prophecy because he's scared of of prophecy. And you know, maybe it's because it's the Christmas time that we're in right now. But it reminds me a little bit of like Herod, King Herod, who is so concerned about holding on to his throne. And and when he finds out that these you know the wise men are coming and and his 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 own wise men consult you know the prophecies of the Old Testament, which is the only testament that they had. But he, he he's they're consulting that and and he finds out oh this could be this could be bad I could I could lose lose my throne here if there's a king that's been born. Uh, but he doesn't understand the, the prophecy and he doesn't understand the kind of king that Jesus was going to be. And you you don't just see this you know there, but you also see this in. Uh, the Jedi, you know, where they, there's the prophecy of the one who bring balance to the force and, and they know the prophecy, they under, they know the words, but they don't understand the prophecy. And, and this is just another situation like that, where he is, he is scared of this prophecy and he needs to understand it. He needs to squash it. But at the same time, he doesn't know what it means. He doesn't know how many people are coming and. He doesn't know, you know, if there's going to be more than just the destroyer of worlds and this unblemished person with the Gemma is, and it's, he's, there's some paranoia going on there and it's, it's an interesting villain. I, I think he's, he's actually a pretty compelling villain to me. I, I like him as a villain. He's, he's not yeah. super, he, he's not eating the scenery um, and he's not super powerful. He's just the guy in power and I, I like his story. He doesn't like where he <laughs> actually, that's also kind of a King Herod thing where, you know, it's, they throw him a bone and give him an area where he can be, you know, the leader or the King, but uh, the Rome, the Roman government was just like, yeah, you know what? We don't like you. <laughs> and you get the impression that he's in charge there, but that's not a position of honor to be in charge of this, this backwater planet rock place um did i misunderstand uh when re-watching this that he was immediately following the destruction of earth that he was what that he was there um following immediately following the destruction of earth to try to organize these people um yes he he i don't know if it was okay. immediately he definitely is giving the impression that he was the reason they were able to, to survive like this though. And he was, he, he organized it. He pulled it together. Um, okay. But I, I didn't catch the, the actual, the full backstory there. Okay. Cause he might be, he might age at a slower rate than humans do. Yeah. He's, he's definitely, yeah, because he's not human and that's what you do with aliens you make yeah. them age as long as possible so that, you know, you can have Spock around for five generations of, of Star Trek. And he, <laughs> cause you know, he, he doesn't have to die. So, um, okay. So we end this whole segment here with the gala that they've been leading up to. Um, Sonora has dealt with their newest guest, which I believe is May that we're going to be talking about in the, the other segment of, of, of plots going on here. But Daisy is basically put on the auction block and as they get ready to, to bid Kylo Ren comes in and <laughs> says, forget the auction. 
there is a destroyer of worlds. Um, and it's not Kylo Ren. The big reveal. It's Fitz. Dun, dun, dun. Yay! Fitz is back. Yay! Fitz is back. And he's pointing at Daisy and saying she should fight to the death. What? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Record scratch. What's going on? <laughs> um, forget the auction. That's the destroyer of worlds. She should fight to the death. Which means he has a plan. He has to have a plan. <laughs> he has to have a plan. If there is no plan, I'm not going to be a big fan of, of of Fitz in this episode. Well, this this season. But, Which makes me wonder, how did he get there? What's what, huh? Huh? What? <laughs> yes, there are a lot of questions that now come up because of this revelation here. So who knows? I don't know. You don't know, but yep. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> I, I'm I, as lost as everybody else. <laughs> I can't even speculate because I was at least thinking anything Fitz was doing was way, you know, back in the past. Or maybe he has found a way to, um, you know, someone mentioned LMD um, or, or something where he, he has slowed his aging down, maybe put himself, you know, fr- frozen his his body in, in carbonite or something like that. And, uh, or maybe he traveled as fast as the speed of light for some time and he came back to earth. Like I, he traveled out like 50 light years, came back, you know, he, it, he's barely aged and at use, all. Use time dilation. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, traveling into the future is easier than traveling into, than the, traveling past. into the past. Yeah. yeah. We're all traveling into the future. The future is where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. Um, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that's the question is how did he get here? And this is not, I, I was not expecting this at all. Uh, at all. I, I was expecting old grizzled fits, you know, maybe on the planet or, <laughs> or maybe even, you know, just um, computer program fits or I, I don't know. Or maybe he waited around for Infinity War. Met up with some of the Cree, or I don't know, some or Doctor Strange, or Doctor Strange, and they helped him. So he knows what's going to happen in Infinity War. Spoiler alert! (laughs) Yeah, so he's like, yeah, yeah, hey guys, uh, come over here into this deleted scene uh, that no one's going to see on screen, but but come over here, please, and I need your help with something in the future. Uh, I know you're dealing with this problem in the present and, and maybe I'll help you with that. But yeah, I, they've or got maybe my, that's just for now head cannon. <laughs> yeah. Well, anything right now is going to be head cannon. And honestly yeah. though, they, they've got my attention and I'm really interested in finding out what the deal is, uh, with Fitz. How did he get there? Why is he there? Uh, it seems to me, and this is where you have kind of these, these rich whatevers coming and, one of them is is Basha and and are these just are there other bunkers or other space stations in the debris that used to be the earth and and these are kind of like the barons or or you know the governors of of these different places and i i'm really again there's world building going on here and the world building is big enough that i'm able to ask questions about it 
and wonder what exactly it means, but I don't have any answers. Yeah. I like answers. I want answers. <laughs> but I'm still loving what the world that they've, I'm still loving this world that they have given us. It's just, and I, and I want our heroes to triumph because it's still kind of crappy for the humans. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a crappy world. <laughs> yeah. It's not a crappy world that they've created, but if you're living in that world, yeah, you're, you're not, you're not happy. <laughs> you're not happy yeah. if you're living in that world. Uh, okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about some of these people that, that are in this world. Uh, we have Mac, Yo-Yo, Coulson, and May, and they're discussing Daisy. And Grill has tripled the shifts because they need more iron or something for Cassius's party. And he has everyone working, but he has Mac go to rough up a guy named Gunner who has a delivery coming from level 35. So Coulson and the team discover d- discuss getting to level 35 because there's Cree technology there. And maybe they can find something that's going to help them. And so meanwhile, Deke comes and he connects with Coulson and May after having dealt with the Cree. And he lies very convincingly about Daisy. That Daisy he helped Daisy get to a medical level where Gemma is. And this is another theme, and we see this all the time. The best lies. And I'm not telling you how to be bad, but I guess I am telling you the best lies are those things that have a a kernel of truth. And he actually kind of does not lie. He was with Daisy. He left her on the level that had medical stuff going on. So, yeah, he lies convincingly. He's he's good. He's a lying liar who lies. But he's maybe got a good reason. We're going to find out later. Uh, but they ask about level 35 and they need to get to level 35 to find something that's going to let them get to the surface and they play the recording and Deke is suddenly really interested in helping really interested in helping. Uh, meanwhile, we've got Mac and yo-yo and he's conflicted about, you know, beating up a guy (laughs) for money. Uh, understandable. And uh, yeah, I I want to I want to park here a little bit. We'll talk about Colson and Deke and all that stuff uh, as we continue. But this conversation that Mac and Yo-Yo have, he's conflicted. She's not as conflicted. And he he talks about you know I I, I don't want to do this and you know all the stuff we did in the framework. And she's like, but this is real danger. This is real violence. And, and we do what we have to do to survive. And he says, I was raised uh, to believe, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And she says, you grew up in the suburbs in Naperville. Um, I, I, I grew up, you know, where, where this, this is the way the world was for me. And then she gives this line, don't worry, we won't lose ourselves. And it's an interesting little back and forth that we have there. And it reveals a lot about them. And it's interesting because they're able to have that kind of honest conversation with each other. But yeah, I, I'm just curious. What do, what do you think about the, their relationship here and, and this whole, this whole conflict about, do we beat up a guy? Because beating up a guy is going to mean um, our friends aren't going to get hurt. <laughs> 
This is one of those moments that's really going to test their relationship. Because at the end of the scene, Mac looks like he's he definitely went through an emotional arc during that whole sequence. Because of what he had to do and what this guy said to him. Yeah, well, okay. So they go to the guy and they're like, we can make your package disappear. <laughs> we can like throw it into the gears and, and it's going to get crushed up. And the guy's like, how can you say that? What kind of person would say that? And then... Mac realizes what the package is because he sees there's a bunch of baby clothes in the room. And I'm sorry. I didn't know. He says, he says that, but then it's too late because that guy has created the picture of Mac and he's people like you don't deserve a child. That's what it, it ends on Mm -hmm. because that's when Mac goes after him and just lays into him. That ouch. It is rough. Oh, that was the hardest scene to watch in this entire episode. I mean, you could beat up Daisy all day long or you can, you know, have one of our heroes beat up. But that one line towards Mac was the absolute worst thing that this guy could have said. Well, and it's it's not just difficult to watch because he's beating up the guy and he's upset because of what the guy said. It's also difficult to watch because Mac doesn't want to do this. No. And that goes back to that line. Don't worry. We won't lose ourselves. Mac loses himself. Yes. He he gets kind of pushed into it by really careless, awful words. And the guy, Mac didn't know what he was saying when he was saying, uh, we're going to destroy your package. And the guy didn't know what he was saying when he was saying, you don't even deserve a child. Mm. Mac, Mac takes it hard and he says, I survived losing a real child, but I'm all broken up over losing hope the second time. And she wasn't even real. Yo-Yo has some pretty insightful stuff though. She says, hope may not have been real, but your love for her was. And, you know, she's being understanding she's not saying get over it, get over your grief. You're right. It wasn't even a real girl. No, she's. She's giving him time to grieve, but then Grill comes and says, hey, you'll fit right in. What really is terrible about that whole thing about hope is he lost hope twice in two very different ways. And the first time he lost hope and he lost everything. He, he, he lost a chance to be a father. He lost you know, all of these things that he was looking forward to doing with hope as she was growing up. Um, and he, he just lost that chance at the very beginning of her life. The second time, albeit it was a computer simulation, hope had a life. She had a personality. She, she had desires of her own that were, were maybe, or maybe into, uh, not, in line with, with what Mac wanted, um, maybe exceeded his exceed. Well, uh, um, she did exceed his expectations, um, but he still lost her again because it was harder because he knew 
that hope and that personality. Yeah, and yeah, the the problem for him is is exactly what Yo-Yo said. She wasn't real, but your your love for her was. And so yeah. all of that time he had real emotions. His emotions were real. And so the loss felt real. Whether or not I mean, I mean the loss of an imaginary thing it's not that he lost an imaginary thing. He lost something that was real to him for a very long time. And it's really sad. And I'm glad that they're coming back to it and, and having him deal with that and not just, okay, moving on to the next adventure. Yeah. I hate it when they, when those emotional story arcs are closed out and people don't really experience grief or, you know, uh, people experience drug withdrawal in one 60 minute episode. And <laughs> I'm thinking about, uh, um, little house on the prairie. No, no? Dominic Monaghan oh. <laughs> uh, on lost. Yeah. He went through withdrawal and like at the end of like during one episode and the next episode, he was fine. Uh, it, well, and little house on the prairie had something similar where Albert was addicted to drugs and, so of course Charles and Albert go into a cabin all by themselves, and I've seen that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was very freaky. Yeah, for my young little mind. Didn't he see bats at one point? Yep, he did. Yeah, yeah. that's what sticks out to me. Wait, was it drugs or was he drinking a lot of alcohol? I thought it was drugs. It might, it might have been alcohol, but I'm pretty sure it was some sort of opium or I don't know. Yeah, because opium opium addiction was a thing then too. Um, so it's possible. Yeah. Well, there's one more bit for us to talk through, and that is Deke. Now, Deke. Oh, Deke. <laughs> Deke goes. He's going to go below level thirty-five, and then they're just to stay on the elevator because he'll call the elevator to level thirty-five. Doors open. And they come in and they're searching for all this science stuff. What are we going to find? What are we going to find? And they find Gunner's package. We see the package before Mac knows what it is. It's a baby. Okay. So this is, again, some of the world building. It's kind of children of men kind of thing. But uh, Deke tells Coulson that people can't get pregnant anymore and that uh, the Cree. Cassius are actually uh, kind of doing this genetics program or this eugenics program where they are trying to grow babies that will turn into inhumans. And that's part of the whole, the lab sample that they got from Daisy. And this is where May finds out Deke's been lying because the blood sample from Daisy is a day old. And so she's been clearly captured. Uh, and, this is where, again, they talk about we're not going to lose ourselves. May and Coulson, they kind of lose themselves a little bit. They keep punching Deke in the face, and <laughs> he becomes a punching bag for them. Um, and he wants to explain, and he tries to explain why he uh, left Daisy. And, and basically, it comes down to she was going to mess up things. Um, but we also 
find out what Deke's backstory is. Uh, as Coulson escapes with Deke. Oh, by the way, Cree come. That's right. Cree come. Deke tries to distract them, but Coulson hits one of them on the back of the head very ineffectually with a chair. And oh, okay, we're fighting now. Uh, they win the fight, but Deke gets stabbed. And so Coulson takes Deke and gets out of there. And Sonara comes, or Sonora, Sonara, uh, the lady with the uh, magic stress balls comes. And she faces <laughs> off with Daisy. And we get a cool, scary fight with those magic stress balls with between May and her. But May loses. And yeah. May loses. Well, yeah, because <laughs> May being one of the strongest members of the team... Uh, it's hard to fight those balls. <laughs> it really is because they're coming at you and unless you can somehow deflect them away, they're going to keep coming at you and they are going to kill you. Well, that's just the thing. That's the scary part is we've seen these balls in action and that's, I mean, that's a quick and, and maybe painless death, but it's a quick death. I mean, it's like getting shot with a great big giant bullet. That's slow. <laughs> it's a slow giant bullet and you know it's fast by stress ball speeds you know but <laughs> yeah. compared to bullet speeds it's it's slow is what i'm saying and it, it may i mean she she did an admirable job but it wasn't enough she did a better job than i could have done let's put it that way and yeah so then we we go back to Coulson and Deke and Coulson punches Deke some more. And this is where Deke Ow. says it's safer with Daisy out of the mix. And we get the backstory when he was nine. His mother was one of those people that we were talking about earlier who were kind of protecting the prophecy of the return of shield. And he was, she was dragged away and murdered and his, his father took her place. And then he disappeared because, uh, and, and Deke begged him, don't do this. Don't, mess with this prophecy stuff don't do this good thing because doing good is is going to get you in big trouble and then the voice that they heard from the recording from the planet where he was sent to die that uh, it sounded like his father his father could be alive on the surface so dun, the, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah and and this is where we kind of get our happy ending Coulson takes the money that Deke got for Daisy. Coulson gives the money to Gunner. Gunner needed money and borrowed money. That's why they were going to get him. They were going to rough him up uh, because he owed money to Grill. So Gunner is able to pay off his debts and is still able to have the what he needs to to be able to support this this baby that they have now. So Gunner has the baby happy ending for them as happy as it can be in a dystopian future like this, where it's all leading up to Cassius wants to just blow it all up. And that includes Gunner and his baby and his wife or whoever that lady is. Um, but then Coulson decides it's safer with you out of the mix, Deke. And they weld Deke in his room. <laughs> Yeah, he's still a loose cannon. You called him Kylo Ren. No, no, no. To me, I, he's, he's he's more like Han Solo. He's more like Lando Calrissian. I was calling Fitz Kylo Ren. Oh, because oh, of his I'm voice. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, because of his voice. Um, 
Yeah. No, we were okay, we were I'm calling sorry. we were calling Deke the the uh, low rent TV Star Lord. Okay. And Deke has definitely moved away from that and is now his own character. Um, he uh, and he hasn't even done the mask thing in in a few episodes. But um, I mean, they're clearly wanting us to remember Star Lord. They're definitely going down that path of remember this. You're gonna like that. Thor Ragnarok with an arena. We've got one too. It's smaller because it's a small screen, but <laughs> we've got an arena here and yeah, but they are definitely opening up as, as much as they are touching on these popular things, they are definitely opening up the world and, and giving us a really interesting and kind of, I don't know if, how rich compared to other sci-fi worlds, but um, you know what this really reminds me of, honestly? What? Doctor Who. This reminds mm-hmm. me of Doctor Who in that you have your character who you follow and he shows up and and every, you know, these these story arcs. I'm especially thinking of like classic Doctor Who where he yeah, shows up right. and you have these four or five episodes of him in a world that has nothing to do with the previous story or the, the next story, it's its own place, its own story. And then he leaves and, and goes into the next adventure. And the next adventure is this other place and this other setting. And, and that's kind of what it feels like here is that we are here to spend some time in a fully realized world, but this fully realized world that could be an entire, you know, five seasons of its own TV show is just going to be, you know, 10 or 11 episodes of, of agents of shield. You know what? I just realized you're right, which makes this very interesting because it kind of pushes. Well, with the uh, last season, with the last pod, uh, with the framework, um, it kind of pushed, um, agents of shield away from a little bit away from science fiction and into a fantasy style storytelling where your hero is propelled into a time or a place that they had no control over this travel and they have to figure out their way to get back. And during that course, they have to deal with what's going on locally in this new time or place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and honestly, yeah. the framework itself probably started the trend because before this, we had different story arcs happening, but it was all happening with our team having their base and they're going out and coming back and, you know, there's back and forth and, and things are happening in the world over the course of seasons, but then framework and this, uh, are kind of just their own, their own thing, their own time, their own place. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's with them, uh, before it was a little bit more, um, of course, this is what comic books do. They they take science fiction and fantasy stories and they smash them together in a really fabulous way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, just this kind of storytelling is much more. It, it's much more fantasy based, whereas, like, say, uh, oh, somebody who would create themselves as superheroes. Hmm, I would say Captain America is one. Uh, in the beginning, where he knew what he was getting into, he knows it was a scientific experiment, and he went ahead with it, and he agreed to it, and he made himself, and that's that's 
one way to tell a science fiction stories. He, he learned, or there was some sort of scientific element where somebody learned how to do something and they created a change within the person. But for these guys, it's, it's their job. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. it's, it's, well, in, in some ways it's, it's the difference between, you know, like Superman and Star Trek, you know, or, or, uh, yeah. Or Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Star Wars is definitely a fantasy story. I mean, you think about it. Um, and in, in, in your old school fairy stories, um, a long time ago, um, in a land far away. Well, what are the first words of Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I mean, but, it's it's the same words rewritten, really. Yeah, but Star Wars is, again, about people becoming heroes and becoming superheroes. And, and Star Trek is workplace. Yes. <laughs> and, Scientific. Yeah. How do we use this science, this real-life applied science, into dealing with the issue at hand? Solve our problem. Yeah. Yes. I think it's just about time to wrap up this conversation then. Uh, you have any other thoughts or anything that I, that I've missed that you'd like to, to cover or talk about? Um, we've talked about prophecies. We've talked about how to lie well, and <laughs> I'm not saying you need to do that. I'm not saying you should do that. Um, I'm just saying that that's maybe, maybe this is more of a warning of how to avoid lies. You know, you need to be, you need to be discerning. Just because someone has a lot of truth, they you need to look at their agenda and figure out do they are they are they going beyond the truth on some of these things? So yeah. That's what it is. That's the positive. That's the positive. <laughs> well still survival is everything. I mean they might not like it, but they gotta they gotta I mean, e- even in, in the basis of even um a civilized community. Survival is still everything. You still got to go out in the field and work for the food, and uh, or go do your job, and which will bring in an income to support your home. Survival is everything. Yeah, well, and that's what a show like Walking Dead is all about. Yeah, is you know what happens when things break down, and to survive, there, there's not enough for everyone to survive, and you know how does society work? Do you just do you lose do you lose your humanity when you are giving in to that and you know losing yourself or is that what humanity really is is you know, just the selfish survival mechanism um, you know sacrifice is is really anti human nature in a lot of ways because we want to survive but we give up of ourself. Uh, to help someone else, that's that's all wonky. That's backwards, and yeah. and yet it isn't. Uh, I mean, that's that's what a lot of a lot of religions are built on, and definitely the religion that that I adhere to. And it's that's that's a big, big, big part of that. And it is something that I do wonder, and I like exploring it in this because you. I don't want to explore it in real life. Let's put it that way. I, yeah. I don't want to find myself in a situation where I have to choose between surviving or my family surviving, but I have to do something that I consider to be awful and evil, you know, and I, fiction allows us to explore responses like that in a safe place and in a safe way. Yeah. 
if you ever meet any authors, well-known authors, they tend to kind of shy away and they might come off as very rude, but really they're just very shy. <laughs> they're terribly shy. Um, uh, I, I'm thinking of one author that I, I have common acquaintances with and they, I've heard terrible stories about him being very rude. And, and then these common acquaintances say, no, he's just very shy and he might come off as a little rough, but he's really a very good, warm-hearted person, and he likes his comforts, and he doesn't really want to go into the worlds that he has built in his book, <laughs> which is why he writes the book, so or the books, so he doesn't have to actually go there. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of authors who have created worlds and where you, would. you do you not would. want to <laughs> enter that world in real life. No. <laughs> all right well hey we've got some listener feedback so let's let's move on to that right now and and uh all right let's explore some of the, uh some of their words about this world shield field report okay so we have quite a bit of feedback uh first we have agent robert from facebook actually and he wrote in and i missed this one but i want to come back to this even though he's writing in about episode 501 and 502, um, there's some stuff in here that's really interesting. He says, now that's the way to start a season. With so much going on in these two episodes, I'll try to be brief. Fitz left the team a message on a postcard, so I wonder if we'll get any more correspondence. Or, and this is something that um, may not happen anymore. This is me saying that. But he says, or will Fitz use the framework 2.0 to communicate forward as the team interacts with the framework? And is slash was Fitz the originator of the legend slash prophecy that the SEAL team would come to save humanity? I wonder if Daisy will return to her hacker roots and help Deke program the framework to be a little better. Had to do a little research and discovered that the Lighthouse Space Station is right out of the comics. Although it definitely has been MCU'd a bit. In the comics, the Lighthouse was a true space station that was a base for the secret Avengers Black Ops unit. Here in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's the remains of a survival bunker that seems to be in a chunk of what's left of the Earth. Perhaps something like the Cheyenne Mountain, the underground base that is home to NORAD. Also, this is me again adding in, uh, also home to Stargate. The, the Stargate. Oh. Um, since we are in space, I wonder if our character Deke's name is a nod to an astronaut. Deke Slayton, who was part of both the Mercury and Apollo missions. Can't wait for next Friday, Bob. So that was from, uh, oh, no, he's not saying Bob. He's saying, can't wait for next Friday, Bob. He's signing off with that because his name is, uh, age, yeah, okay. So okay. <laughs> I thought he was like doing some sort of, you know, cute nickname kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not doing the cute nickname. Uh, he's just using his own name. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. But yeah, um, the lighthouse stuff was, I, I talked about that, I think in the last episode and then, uh, ended up not reading this, this comment here. Um, and the whole idea of the Cheyenne mountain kind of thing, uh, which is home to NORAD, but also home to the Stargate, uh, is, is a, I, I just thought, and, and then even Deke Slayton, that's something I never even, I don't even know who that was, but yeah, I thought we well, got to read this one. We've got to, because there's some really interesting, cool stuff in there. So, any yeah, the uh, the NORAD bunker is not the only one that um, 
that is located underground and can be sealed off uh, from the rest of the atmosphere. Uh, I believe there's also another one uh, in Virginia. It used to be the location um, during the Cold War where uh, U.S. Congress and the President and uh, and the Supreme Court justices and all of their people could go and hide out and during the event of a nuclear disaster or some other great disaster where they needed to be sheltered away. Isn't that where Uh, they send the guy who would be like next in line for president when they're doing some sort of thing where all of the Senate and the vice president and the president are all together in one place in Washington? The designated survivor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Though the one I'm thinking of has been uh, decommissioned and now it's sort of open to the public for oh, tours. Cool. So I'm guessing that they've built another one somewhere. That, that'd be really cool. Yeah. All right. This is from Agent AV. And the subject line is, I can't believe you guys missed some stuff. And and my okay. response my response to that already is, uh, yeah, dude, we, we miss stuff. We miss it all the time. Oh, all I, the time. I, I can totally believe it. But – that's why we need listeners like you who are going to uh, let us let us know what we missed. And this is actually some good stuff. Again, good stuff. Uh, number one. Oh, sorry. Agents, you guys always do a great job, but I'm surprised because I generally rely on you for information. There were some details recently that all of you seem to have missed. One, the quote, low rent TV xenomorphs or roaches were identified by my TV's closed captioning as Vronaxians. Never having seen this term before, I Googled it and found that Vrelexians, Vrelnexians first appeared in Thor number 212 back in June 1973. Perhaps it is more appropriate to call these low-rent TV xenomorphs big-budget cinematic Vlorexians, which would sound a lot better if I could get the word right on the first try, but yeah. Number two. You recently wondered what blue aliens are in the MCU, but seem to have forgotten that Lady Sif rattled off a bunch of species when Coulson asked her back in season one. They were Interdites, Levians, Farragats, Cree, Sarks, Centurions, and Frost Giants. Mm. Three. Jeff Loeb said at New York Comic Con that the pod structure worked so well in season four that they would do it again in season five, with the first pod being ten episodes. He did not elaborate on whether the team would be in space for the first pod or for the whole season. My personal opinion is they will be back to 2018 Earth by the end of the first pod. It seems a bit much to keep them in space for in in space future for two to 22 episodes. Looking at the schedule, they're going to take a one week break on December 29th and be back on January 5th with the Clark Gregg directed episode. They said they were not taking any breaks during the season, so doing the math puts the 22nd episode on the last Friday in April. This is conveniently the week before Infinity War is released. I wish that meant our agents would appear in that film, but I'm not holding my breath. The film side continues to distance itself from the TV side more and more. The Vanity Fair profile of Kevin Feige and the MCU didn't even mention a television side exists in the MCU. And Mm. breaking in here, yeah, he's right. Now that he mentions that. Uh. Wow. Huh. Okay. Well, um, I don't see them doing multiple universes because that has been done so extensively in the Arrowverse. 
I took Daisy's comeback to Deke, whatever universe was that, what universe was that in, mine or yours, as a meta comment about it. I think they're hedging with connecting to Inhumans since the episodes we're seeing now were likely filmed before or while Inhumans was on TV. I expect they set it up to tie into the series if it did well, but left themselves open to go their own way if it didn't. Uh, oh, and for Runaways, I like how they're building up the conflict with the parents and feel as though the final scene of season finale will be the kids running away. <laughs> what are your thoughts on all the above? By the way, all 18 episodes of Agent Carter are now available on Hulu. They reached an exclusive streaming deal for the show. Thanks for the time and the great discussion. And you're welcome. And also, I would say thank you for the information. <laughs> that was... Uh, I remembered seeing the Varel that word in my subtitles as well as well, but I didn't look it up. Um, I just didn't, I didn't think to that's stupid. Why didn't I, mm. Oh, Oh man, I'm just going to beat myself up like Chris Farley in a Saturday night live sketch. Um, <laughs> well, isn't, isn't it kind of your job on this podcast to kind of like look up that stuff? Cause you would know of it better than I would. Samantha, I don't need you to beat me up any more than I'm already beating myself up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No, Fine, I, I'll just go and sprays you with the gasoline hose and you can dance around. <laughs> I can dance saying, around saying, I'm a, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that Vanity Fair profile, not even mentioning the television side, that's so true mm. and so unfortunate. Yeah. Wow. You'd think somebody at either Disney or at Marvel would tell them that they need, they need to buck up and act like adults and get their acts together because they're really missing out on some really good crossover um, opportunities here. They are. They are. But at the same time, the movies are making lots and lots of money. They don't need to step in and, and tell them, Hey, you know, that other area where we're making just a little bit of money. You need to tie into that. I, I just get the feeling that, they're going to follow the money. Yeah, but the thing is, is that if they keep distancing the movies and TV shows from each other, I mean, they might as well have never connected them in the first place, which they have. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, it just breaks my heart. Uh, and and then as far as Inhumans go, I <laughs> they are definitely connecting to that Inhumans idea. Uh, they are not. Yeah. They are not hedging on that. Um, the question is, are they going to hedge on the actual characters of the Inhumans? And that's a bigger question. Yeah. You know what I, I, I just thought? Okay, so Daisy, they took Daisy's blood this episode to try to genetically create a baby. What if this baby as an adult, so soap opera-ish, <laughs> uh, goes back and is able to somehow find its way back in time in 20, 2017, 2018 and to reconnect with Scott, uh, Daisy. And I, so, <laughs> I mean, and especially since Daisy was an orphan to begin with and meeting this child and, and having this relationship that is not crazy with, you know, another genetically connected person. Yeah. yeah. That could be interesting. Yeah, it it could be. I, I just this is one of those situations where I have no idea where this is going other than they're going to have to try and go back in time and save the world. But 
I have no idea. I, have no I think idea. that's what's going to happen. At the, they're going to go back in time, back to their own time, and try to stop whatever. Because I, I agree. I don't think it was Daisy that that destroyed the world. I think it was something else. And they're going to go back and figure out and try to stop whatever disaster happened. All right, so from Agent Jason, he says, subject line, thank you, episode four, apologies accepted. Um, he says, uh, one episode fixed everything I was worried about. Coulson got his answers, guarded his prisoner, and secured the door, all to make sure the mission doesn't get compromised. Outsmarting our smartest character, Deke. Daisy found it inhuman to listen to because that's what it seems to take her to get to take to get her to calm down. Plus, all the heroes get some intelligent character development. Not to mention, Fitz is back. New prediction. Everything is fine. The show is great. The writers know their fans. <laughs> and then <laughs> he go. says, by the way, if you talk Star Wars spoilers, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Hilarious. And I would say to you, we're not going to talk about Star Wars spoilers, but Jason, the spoiler you're talking about is indeed hilarious i was laughing with the character on the screen who was also laughing i have no idea what's going on uh through circumstances outside of my control and i promised this person i would not go see it without him (laughs) field agent boyfriend you know you're just torturing me and you know it (laughs) no he's really great (laughs) yeah yeah except for this one thing he has his reasons (laughs) All right, so moving on to Agent Skimmins. Yes. Subject is, I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Message is, poor Mac lost his control. Or lost his cool. Uh, Really uncomfortable with the racial implications of him being referred to as a beast over and over, especially with him being the only black member of the group. What happened to May? I'm worried about her. Also, where is Tess? I enjoyed her character. That last scene with Fitz was too much. I really hope he's not a villain again, like he was last season in the framework. So let's let's take a couple of these things here. One, Fitz being a villain, I really don't think is going to happen. I I I believe he is there, one way or another. I I don't know how he got there, but he's there to help them. He's there to help them. Um, he's playing a part. Yeah, yeah. I trust him at this point in time, even though he was, yeah, a bad evil guy in the framework where he was being pushed to be that thing. So what happened to May? Also worried about her. Um, I'm very curious what happened to her and that whole interaction. Did you take care of the guest, our new guest? Yeah, I think we have reason to be worried. Um, And then Mac and yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying about the the implications there. They're they're calling him a beast and referring to him as, but you know, you call anyone an animal and you're referring to them as something less than human. Um, but at the same time, I'm wondering if it was more. I don't know because it's grill, so it's a bad. It's not a good person who's saying that. Uh, but I, I, you know, that's the kind of thing where when you're talking about um, an athlete, you know, the guy's a beast. You know, he, he's just. He's the monster, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it has more to do with his stature. Because uh, let's face it, Mac is a large specimen of humanity. 
and a very, very powerful specimen of humanity. And um, I would want him at my side in a dark alley. Absolutely. Because I would feel safe with that man. (laughs) I would feel very safe with that man. So. And you know he's got a big cuddly heart. So that's a, that's the yeah. other thing. That's another reason why I'd feel safe with him. He's a gentle giant. Uh, and yeah. he, well, and and even more than that, he's going to protect you. Yeah. You know he's he's a protective guy. So um, I, I feel like the one thing, if if that is an implication that the writers were actually trying to do, um, it was Grill who was saying it, and Grill is he, he's not a, a good person. Grill doesn't know Mac. No, no. He really doesn't. He's using Mac though. I mean he's he's using everybody yeah. and um And the truth is is that Mac on the core, he is not a beast. And that's that's where where Mac um ran into some trouble when he went to go meet Gunner. Yeah. He's not this beast that that Grill thinks he is. Well, and how many enforcers do you know who are actually like super apologetic? You know, <laughs> Um, that was the worst part of it is once he um, realized what he was doing and what was going on, the worst part for me was, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And the guy, I mean, Gunner, he doesn't care. He goes on the attack and he can't attack Mac uh, with fists very well, but he can't attack Mac with words. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe Rocky is the last time I saw some like. Maybe I have seen something like this more recently, but uh, the first Rocky movie, Rocky is a yes. gangster enforcer yes. on the side. Uh-huh. But there were a couple of scenes that showed that he really just had a big heart and he didn't want to have to do be mean. But and so he talked his way into not having to beat up people. Yeah. What a great movie. Yeah. That movie I is mean, so good. Yeah, I haven't seen Creed yet. Uh, I really it's want good. to, but it's really good. Um, and it's very different style, but it still holds up the same spirit. Well, and I, I mean, I love really, I have a love for all Rocky movies, yeah. a different love for each one, a different kind of love for each one. But yeah, yeah you are right about the, <laughs> the nice guy enforcer though. Rocky yeah. is someone who would apologize. Rocky is so dumb, though. Not dumb, but he, he's the kind of guy who would apologize as he's punching. Like, <laughs> oh, man, I really don't want to. Boom. I'm sorry I had to do that. But, you know, this is what I have to do. And yeah. Creed okay. is Rocky the next generation. Yeah. I, and I, I really want to see it. But yeah, just I think it's on stars. I think I saw it on stars recently. I'll have to look it up. I cannot be sure, but. I, I I did see it on a list somewhere, and I will let you know where. Our final feedback is from Agent Ted, and that subject line is, when will the agents come back to the present? Message is, I think they will come back in episode 100, or at least be headed there at the very end of that episode. There are clearly plans for a big episode, and it would be the 12th episode of the season, so a good place for the future arc to end. And... I agree. I yeah. I forgot that episode 100 is coming up pretty soon here. Oh, oh is it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so which episode, which like season five episode? 12. The 12th episode e- here. Episode, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that means the other pods may be a little bit shorter. 
which is okay. Unless, I mean, unless it's, it's big in a different way. Yeah. It might not be big because they're coming home. It might be big because we're just jumping into another crazy story. Or they yeah, may not even celebrate it at all and just do a normal episode. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I, I would celebrate it. I mean, I, I think that's a missed opportunity if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Finally, we have a review, another review. Uh, this is from Father of Two in Iowa. Uh, <laughs> I love I, iTunes usernames because there is no there, – there is not any connection you know, you don't even get a name or a first name in it, but it's a, it's a four star review. So it's a good, it's a good review. And, you know, we don't normally read, uh, iTunes reviews because it feels a little self-serving. Um, but we do want to thank you always. However, this one has something to say to us. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to read this. So he says, stop saying low rent TV. Good review show on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but stop using the phrase, quote, low-rent TV. You used that phrase 25 times in the Season 5 orientation episode. Nope, sorry, that was short. I'd say after listening to the rest, they say it probably 50 times. It doesn't need to be repeated that many times. Come on. Other than that, it was a decent review. So I, I do want to thank you for the four stars, and um, I also do want to thank you for the feedback. Uh, and And... I, I'm I'm the kind of person who I believe in no no excuse apologies. Um, I don't want to make excuses for why we said low rent TV so many times, but it is actually a, a running gag as as we look at characters that Agents of Shield brings on, and can, then compare them to big screen characters from the X Men and, and things like that. So, but we did you know the reason we use it so many times is I just instead of naming Deke, I just call them low rent TV Star Lord and. Call them that a lot. Call them that every time I call them by name. So understandable. I apologize. Took the joke a little too far, maybe. But hopefully uh, you'll be more okay with this episode. We didn't, we, I don't might have used it once or twice. Maybe. I don't know. You used it a few times. We're still going to end up using it because it's just kind of it's... one of the things we do. But I promise yeah. we will not use it 50 times promise i also promise that we are very thankful um for anyone i mean who writes in um i'm thankful for father of two in iowa and i hope your your family's doing well in this holiday season hope that everyone in this holiday season whether you live in iowa or not uh is having a good holiday season and also hope you're enjoying iron man 3 because it's the mcu <laughs> you know what's coming up samantha what? Oh, let's talk about after credit. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it after credit. Something big is coming up. Oh. You know what else that could be potentially big? I got an idea for rebranding, Samantha. What? Rebranding the, uh, the, the show, the podcast. Uh, you know, we started out this show because of one line from Agent Coulson where he, uh, he says to board... Uh, he says, welcome to level seven. And that's, that's where our, our title came from. Actually, we we're just going to call it level seven or level seven podcast. And there was a video game podcast out there that was called level seven. And, you know, I, I didn't listen to it. I didn't worry about it. I just figured we'll just, we'll call ourselves welcome to level seven. I like that. It welcomes. It tells people we want to hear from you. We want you to be a part of things here. Welcome 
to level seven. But you know what happens, Samantha? You, you, sometimes you just want to go bigger. You want to go broader. And I got the idea from this episode. What if we were welcome to level seven times five, Samantha? In other words, welcome to level 35. Hold the applause. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one 55 level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Hey, Ben. Yeah. Okay, so while you were talking, uh, I flipped through all of my apps for different uh, streaming sources, uh-huh. and I have found Creed. Yeah, where is and it? And you can watch it. It's on Hulu. Oh, hey. Cool. Yeah. And, yeah, it, you can watch it over the holidays. Uh, I think you will really enjoy it. I don't know if I'm going to get to it, though. There's a lot going on. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there is a lot of stuff. I mean, between Star Wars and I just finished Star Trek, which stinks that the day I finished Star Trek is the day we're recording that Stuart can't come on and do a post-credit to talk about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Um but then there's also Punisher. I haven't even started Punisher and we still got runaways and agents of shield. And you know what else next year is going to be? What? The 10th anniversary of the MCU. Oh. May 2nd, 2008 is when Iron Man was released. Oh, and so I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but we are going to do something to celebrate that somehow. And it may not even be a part of this feed. It may be its own thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We will see. But if we're if we're going to do something revisit uh I don't know. You'll take a look at Iron Man again. I I don't know what we're going to do, but um there's definitely some some celebrating to be done for that 10th anniversary. Yeah. So yeah. Can't believe it. 10 years since Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr has been Iron Man for 10 years. Wow. You know what this also means? I do not. Uncle Thor, my late grandmother's cat who now lives with me, will be 10 years old. Really? Because he's named after Thor. And I'm pretty sure he has a brother out there named Loki. And I hope this Loki cat is a black cat because (laughs) that would be the perfect name for a black cat. (laughs) Because they're just so mischievous but fun. But yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, so I need to get Thor a little cake made of tuna. <laughs> Thank you well, for reminding but was, me. Was Thor, was um, Thor born with, or along the time of Iron Man or? Yeah, just around about that Interesting. Time. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. Very cool. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, we need, uh, we will be celebrating. I know we will be celebrating the 10th anniversary in some way. Yeah. I know. We just got it. We, we have to. And yeah, but who knows how we'll let you know. We will definitely let you know how, how, how we're going to celebrate it and how you can celebrate with us. And if you're the kind of person who sticks around through the podcast to the end after the credits, you're the kind of person we want to celebrate with. So uh, I'm just going to say thank you for listening. Samantha, do you have any any final words before we close the thing down and and I start editing? <laughs> <laughs> editing all my coughs out. Uh, uh, be good. <laughs> and make good choices. <laughs> make good choices. <laughs> be like E.T. and be good. Yeah, and be like Daniel Butcher and make good choices. Or be like Daniel Butcher tells you to be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Later. Bye.